All right. Um, so speaking of Father's Day, um, ha- has you ever been in a prank war with anybody? Anybody? Raise your hand real quick. A few pranksters here. A lot of us have been, most guys and, and Abby, uh, have, have uh, all right, yeah, yes. Um, most people at some point in their life have been in a prank war. Uh, prank war. I remember, um, I can remember my time in college. I went to a small Christian college where everyone knew each other, everyone loved each other, and everyone got along perfectly fine like a happy family. Yeah, there's a lot of pranks I'm not super proud of. I take that back, actually. I'm super impressed with a few of them, you know, like, but even though the statute of limitations has passed, there's still some that which we shall not speak of uh, to this day, but <laughs> well, I don't want to give you guys any ideas that my son is here, so, so, but you know, in a moment, here's the, here's the thing about pranks. In the moment, pranks can be hilarious, right? In the moment, but... But when we're found out, we know at some point payback is coming, right? Payback is coming. Like, and we know at some point you're going to expect something or you're going to live your life always looking over your shoulder, waiting to see what's going to happen. And there's this thing, okay? There's this unofficial thing. It's called escalation. Y'all know what escalation is, right? Like, man, I just scared you, but you just, like, slashed my tires. Like, what? You know, like, like that's escalation, you know? And you know that the payback is always going to be worse than the initial offense. And so that's uh, escalation. You know, ten- things tend to get out of hand pretty quickly, particularly when we talk about college-age guys or uh, your wife, you know? And uh, he, I was like, I was just joking. I actually didn't do that to your pillow the other night. So t- too bad. So... She's got a thing about pillows. So, but uh, but you know, here's here's the thing about pranks. You're lucky if you get back what you put into it. Okay, like you you consider yourself lucky. Uh, but a lot of times you get back something way more, something way worse than what you initially gave out. But you know, a lot of times our life, uh, we may find ourselves in this risky payback kind of situation. You know, you think about it, you know, uh, maybe it's with your friends, uh, maybe sometimes uh, uh, you find yourself or, or someone you know saying something like this, uh, this sale, this sale is actually going to save me money in the long run. Has anyone ever said that? <laughs> or, I mean, it's been a really rough day, if I get this, it's going to make me feel better. Or how about this? Have you ever said or thought this? Man, I work hard. I, I deserve this. I deserve this. Most of us, right? Most of us have said one or all of those things, or may say those all the time. But like, here's the thing. Those phrases, that mindset does not always end well. And so no matter what mood, mood we're in, good mood, bad mood, whatever, bleh, meh mood, uh, a spending always feels so good, doesn't it? No? Just me? All right. Uh, but, 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 here, but one problem is this, is that a lot of times in our culture we find so many people uh, are, are addicted to spending money that we don't really have. And so uh, many of us are spending money we don't have, and, and, and we have, but what we do have is we have piles of debt to show for it. So here's a few stats for you. According to the New York Fed um, in 2017, consumer borrowing, borrowing reached an all-time high at $3.83 trillion. Okay, you catching that? Uh, according to a 2017 survey, 57% uh, of our population that have less than $1,000 in their savings 
and 39% have none, none at all. And then you add, uh, all right, keep that in mind with this stat. Our average credit card debt is $15,654, okay? Right? And like, that's our culture at large. It's also probably a snapshot of, of what our church likes. Now, just to be clear, I know that sometimes life throws some things at you that are completely out of your control. Uh, one example would be medical debt. You know, you didn't choose that. It wasn't your choice. And, and you may find yourself completely buried in debt uh, with no... Uh, with no option in the matter. But the truth is, the reason that the majority of, of people are in debt is because the decisions that we make. And we live in a culture of this instant gratification. You know, we see something, we want it, uh, we see something, got to have it, got to have it now, uh, plus 16% interest, you know? And so I remember uh, years ago, uh, I, you know, as a musician in a former life, you know, you, you go into the music store. Sam, you know what I'm talking about, right? You go in the music store and you just look at the wall of guitars. Yes. She will be mine. Oh, yes. She will be mine. Movie? Name that movie? Wayne's World. Thank you. I knew someone, I knew someone would get uh, So, uh, but I remember, and, and I saw this, uh, I was leading worship a lot. I had this old acoustic, and I remember seeing this, man, this, was, this would be like my dream acoustic. And, and a guy ran a credit, just convinced me, twist my arm to run a credit check on it. I shouldn't let him do it, but came up, oh, hey, you can pretty much buy anything you want. I was like, okay, let's take it. We'll take her. We're going to take her home today. And so I went home with it, you know, and we, we paid payments on the guitar. I mean, and, and, and I remember thinking, like, what was I thinking? Like, I mean, sure, I rationalized it because I use this guitar even to this day, like, like for ministry. I use it for Jesus, so it's got to be a good decision, right? You know, where does this leave us? Oftentimes, um, it leaves us as a culture, as people, as families. It leaves us exhausted. It leaves us frustrated. It leaves us worried. It leaves us, over, leaves us overwhelmed, you know, by our financial situation. Whether, whether you're there right now or whether you know people in your life that are. And so today, uh, we're, we're continuing our series uh, that we're calling Mine, Okay. And, and we're, we're talking, looking at a biblical view of our stuff, you know, the things that we have and the things that we own, and, and we're looking at a biblical view of our money, and we're talking about what it looks like to be free from the stress and the worry and anxiety that comes along with the burden of what we call mine. And so we're addressing three truths, okay? So last week, we looked at this truth uh, uh, that all that is mine is from God, and that's the most fundamental, uh, the, the foundation that, that we need to have a proper view uh, of, of how to relate with our stuff and the stuff that, that we get to have and utilize and that really, that every good and perfect gift is, is, is from our Father. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, not some things in it, but everything in it and the, the world and all who live in it. And so we talked about uh, that truth, that all that is mine is from God. So today we're going to talk about truth number two as we talk about landmine. Sounds more explosive, doesn't it? You know, thousands of year, years ago, King Solomon uh, wrote in the book of Proverbs in the, in the scriptures, and, um, and he gave us some wisdom. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The borrower is slave to the lender. Now, you may have heard that before, but, but it's this idea of uh, if you owe someone a debt, man, you, in a sense, you are in bondage to that person. Have you, has someone ever let you borrow something, and then you have always felt obligated to that person? 
There's some people I won't borrow stuff because I'm like, I, I don't need that in my life. You know what I'm saying? And that's what that's the scriptural principle is like the borrower is slave to the lender. But guess what? So many of us in our, our nation, in our culture is, is enslaved to financial institutions or, or companies or corporations. And so Solomon clearly observed the risk and repercussions of, of accruing debt, irresponsible debt. It can enslave us. It can own us. And uh, the good news is that there's a path to freedom that can rescue us from some maybe past mistakes and help us avoid some pitfalls in the future. And so the key to freedom is embracing the second truth, which, which is the big idea for today. Uh, and so maybe you can write this down. It's going to be on the screen. Maybe you can just you could take a picture of the screen, all right? Um, and I'll, I'll get out your way. But the second truth number two is this. I can live joyfully within God's provision. Will you say that with me? I can live joyfully within God's provision. Now, some of you guys need to say that again, and you need to say it like you mean it a little more. more. Let's try it again, all right? I can live joyfully within God's provision. Man, you know, if we could wrap our brains and, and our hearts, our lives around that, that will change your life. You hearing me? I'm not just jiving, okay? I get paid to speak truth around here, so that's truth, all right? I can say that to you guys. I say that to my wife in an argument. Bam, I'm done. Game over. So, so you know it's my job to speak truth, right? So not that I would do that. It's Father's Day. Let me have this. So, so I can live joyfully within God's provision. You know, if we're, if we're willing to believe this foundation, this belief that, um, that we talked about last week, that all mine is from God, and then kind of build on that and trust the words of Jesus, our Heavenly Father, that He's going to take care of us. He takes care of the birds and the flowers, and, and, that, and that, then, that we can live joyfully uh, within God's provision. Now, uh, that will change our life. I came across this illustration, and so I'm going to show it on the screen uh, one slide at a time. This is a picture of God's current provision of my life and of your life. And this is, what, this is probably what your, your life looks like. All of your life, probably, but your financial, your, your, your this up and down, right? Up and down. You have seasons of, all right, things are good, you know? I got a promotion, got a bonus, you know? Um, found a big stack of money in, in uh, between studs when I was ripping drywall out. That's never happened to me, but, you know. Um, or, who said it? Car broke down? Yeah, boom. Then we're quickly brought back to reality. Car broke down, you know? Hospital visits. Or, or things go down, and, and we have the ups and downs, uh, job loss, economic turns, any variety of unexpected things along the way. And sometimes, sometimes we make choices that determine... Uh, God's current provision. Other times, the factors that impact our, uh, where we're at are, are beyond our control, which may be a profound moment for consideration if you think that the only indication that God is showing up is that when, when things are going up, you know? But no, we, we got to take all of it. God's the God of all of it, our ups and downs. And, and so now, let's add debt, okay? Let's add debt into the equation. Here we go, graphic number two. So there, the red line is debt. What is debt? One pastor defines it as this. Debt is wanting more than God's current provision for your life and arranging another way of getting it for yourself. All right, that's deep, right? 
Let's repeat it. He says, debt is wanting more than God's current provision for your life and arranging a different way, an outside way, another way of getting it for yourself, not talking about well-planned mortgages and, and, and things that you've thought and planned for, but I'm talking about the loans and credit cards and, and irresponsibility and rash decisions. And we see so many um, of us, we look at this and say, God, you didn't, you didn't follow through. You know, God, you didn't provide enough. Or God, I was really kind of hoping to be here, and, and I'm right here. And we start to kind of rationalize. We kind of start to maybe point a finger at God. And we, then we start to get to work. We arrange another way of getting it for ourselves. So we use debt to arrange this provision level beyond what God has currently provided for our life. And in a fleeting moment, it feels good. It makes us happy for a moment, inevitably. But debt always leads to this slavery, this bondage relationship. And, and you guys can stand here and tell stories today, I know. But the good news is that there's another way to live. And so we're going to dig into Philippians chapter 4 uh, for, for a few minutes today. Paul is writing to a group of Christ followers, all right, to a church in Philippi. And uh, they have just sent Paul... Uh, some, some financial resources. This is a man who is in, in, uh, under arrest, okay, for preaching the gospel of Jesus. And things hadn't been easy for him, but guess what? Things weren't easy for the Philippians either. They weren't easy for the church at Philippi. In fact, the Philippians, they were struggling with anxiety over their own financial situation. But Paul is about to tell them the secret uh, of getting rid of anxiety. As Paul, uh, uh, from jail, he thanks them for their gift. He writes in Philippians 4, verses 10 and following, says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So Paul's like, he's thanking them in a roundabout way. He's like, thanks for, for, for your support, for your encouragement. He's like, but, but like, listen, I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, writes the guy from jail. Okay? Unjustly treated in jail. You know, philosophers believe that contentment would come when you learn to find the resources from within. You know, is that what our culture teaches us? And that if we learn to provide for your own needs and if you, you are no longer affected by the outside circumstances, if you generate enough wealth by your own hands, and it, then you can smile at the fluctuating circumstances that may come your way. And this idea of, of self-sufficiency uh, was quite popular in cultures like the Philippian church that Paul was writing to, but it's also very popular uh, of, of the wisdom of our day today, to find the means from within yourself and your own abilities and, and, and then chase down contentment with everything that you have. And so we work harder, we stress more, we, we uh, you know, drives us to swipe our cards again and again and again uh, to stockpile possessions. And we want to feel like we have enough, we want to feel secure, and we take matters into our own hands. So Paul claims to have found it, he says, but in a much different way. So he continues in, in verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need. He's like, look, like, I mean, if anyone knows what it is to be in need, I, I got this. I, I, I know. And, and I know what it is to have plenty. He's like, look, I've been, I've been there. The ups and downs. I've had plenty and I've had need. And guess what? So have you, right? 
Uh, you can probably look back at your life and you, you can see that. Man, like, whoa, we were like really down then. We didn't even know it that it was that bad. Or like, man, like things are good now. Well, well, praise God, you know. He says, I've, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any, in, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Isn't that interesting? His outside circumstances didn't affect his contentedness. The ups and downs, that was just part of it. He didn't let that shape and that dictate how happy he was. And I'm not sure how much you know about Paul, but, you know, he knew what it was like to, uh, to be in need and plenty. And, and, and when he became a Christ follower, so Paul, Paul was like a rising superstar in the, in the Jewish religion. Upper class Jewish guy, well trained, uh, up and coming kind of guy. And, and then he, um, as he writes his word to uh, the, the Philippians, he's, he's held captive as prisoner. He had faced beatings. He had faced uh, being shipwrecked and abandoned. He had known hunger. In just about every form of circumstance. And, and Paul says he's learned to be content in all these circumstances. He's telling us this, that material abundance is not the basis for contentment. Material abundance is not the basis for contentment. And so we all know, we, we know that's true. I know, I know that's true. And I know that you know that's true, that money doesn't buy happiness. We all know the excitement of, that the, of the purchases wear off. We know this, yet time and time again, we fall into the trap of thinking more will bring us more contentment. So we need to discover Paul's secret. Here it is, Philippians 4, 13. It's a verse you've probably heard. If you haven't heard it, you've probably seen it on a bumper sticker or seen it crocheted or on someone's refrigerator. Read this with me. I can do through him who gives me strength. Right? And that's a verse that, that we like to use and throw around. I can do all things. What can you do? Yeah, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and we like to quote that and we kind of uh, divorce it from the context. You know, I heard a story of one guy who was in a gym and, and uh, there's this little scrawny guy who threw too many plates on the bar and he's trying to bench press and he's struggling to get it up. And, but the guy who was spotted said, you can do all things for Christ, you know, through Christ who gives you strength. And, and the guy who was observing was like, yeah, you're going to die. Because that's not what that passage means. That's not what Paul was talking about. He wasn't talking about you can bench press more than your body weight, uh, being like this, as thick as a toothpick. But no, when Paul says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, this was the secret to Paul's contentment. It wasn't his own self-sufficiency. It wasn't that he was just riding high on, on the curve. It wasn't material abundance. It was God's sufficiency. The secret to joyful contentment is God's sufficiency. See, everything about Paul's life was God-centered. He didn't get fixated on the circumstances he found himself in. Whether they're good circumstances, whether they're bad circumstances. He, he took that all as part of life and he fixed his gaze on, God, on the God and followed and trusted him to give him the strength to walk through whatever circumstances that come our way and maybe that's something that we could use today as we are going up and down up and down zigzag feel like we're bebopping and getting banged and knocked and uh tripping and all and and uh, if your life seems kind of like mine sometimes uh, but but 
that doesn't dictate our faith, our trust, and our contentment. He says, I can do all things through him who give me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So, truth number two, to live joyfully within God's current provision. On our diagram, that would look like this. There's, there's a second line up and down that flows with the first line. Okay? The blue line means that we, that we learn to make financial decisions that are based not on impulses, or sale prices, or keeping up with the Joneses. But we spend according to God's current provision for our lives. And it, it's where we draw the line with our, with our generosity. It's where we prioritize our wants uh, versus our needs. See, God doesn't ask us to draw lines between wants and needs. We're simply called to trust Him with our needs and to be wise stewards of everything that He provides for us. With, with the recognition that our desires are never-ending, while God's current provision for my life has, has a definite limit. And that's why in order to spend money wisely, we must learn to prioritize. And we have to ask ourselves questions like, what's most important? Why, why am I even doing this? Why, why am I going down this path? And we have to ask ourselves, you know, what's most important? Jesus and his mission, is that what's most important? Is my family what, what's most important? Is my friends what's most important? Is creating a place of beauty and perfection what's most important? Is my hobby or my passion most important? Is taking a vacation with your family or most important? These things aren't bad, but we have to ask ourselves, what is most important? And through careful thought and reflection, as a God-centered person, you ask him to help you determine what you should have, what should have priority in your spending. And then steward that money on those priorities as God's current provision will allow. Now, here's the thing. Like, this isn't one of those feel-bad sermons. This isn't, this isn't a message that's made you to feel bad. Like, God, God, every good and perfect gift comes from the Heavenly Father. Like, we're allowed to enjoy good gifts. God has provided after all, you know? Like, praise the Lord. And, and I'm not arguing against Things like, like moderation and, uh, and, and that. But see, we can enjoy God's material blessings as a God-centered person. And it, is, it is possible to spend money in a way that isn't selfish or sinful, but even honors God if we spend it within the provision that he has given us. So there's one more thing I want you to see in the diagram. You see what's added? Oh, green line. You know what that is? That little gap, that little space? That's called margin. You know what margin is, right? It's space. It's space. It's like there's a little bit extra space on the side of the road after the line. There's the little bit of paper that's left over, you know, at the edge. You know, it, we need space in our lives. 
That's why God uh, created a, a, a day of rest, Sabbath, and said, look, I need, you to, I need you to rest because we need that space, that margin in our lives, in our very schedule. And we need the same thing when it comes to our finances. Is God saying the same thing? It's like we, you need some gap. You need this intentional space, and it's called margin. So when we choose to live within God's, within God's provision, current provision for our lives, we prioritize according to the way he's blessed us. We can create margin. At first, we can use margin to pay off things like debt, no longer be slaves and held in shackles. After that, maybe we can save for the future. Maybe we can uh, uh, go vacation or pay for unexpected repairs, be more generous to causes we care about. In a word, margin. If we were to live with the principle of margin, another word that we could use would be freedom. And that's something that you would like, wouldn't it? The slavery of debt would be gone, the shackles would be removed, and you could live joyfully within God's current provision for your life. Maybe this margin will help you erase the current debt that you have. Maybe this margin will help you build an emergency fund for the future. Maybe this margin will help you be more generous for those who are in need around you. Maybe it'll help you be more generous uh, to the mission of the gospel of Jesus. But we know this, that our contentment doesn't rise and fall with our finances, with our circumstances. At Philippians 4.13, I can do what? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's each and every one of us can take steps today to live within God's current provision. Whether you're writing, uh, you know, on borrowed parchment from a jail cell or whether you're living pretty nice, we can all be content because God's love is that great. It overcomes any, any one of our circumstances. To be content with the way that God has blessed us. Wherever you are on this journey, like it's never too late to take that first step and say, you know what, I'm going to live within I'm going to live within God's current provision, and I believe that financial freedom is out there and that God wants me to be free so I can live freely and I can serve freely, I can give freely, and I can enjoy it, and I don't have to live exhausted, worried, overwhelmed, stressed out mess anymore. So today, will you consider taking steps towards freedom, and will you declare that with the Apostle Paul, that what we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being the, the giver of, of everything. And God, today we just need to be reminded, we need to be calibrated um, that all that is ours is, is yours. And God, we need to pause and thank you for the many ways that you've blessed us. God, we also probably need to ask for forgiveness for how so many times as individuals, even as a culture, God, that we allow our circumstances to dictate really every area of our life. But God, may we find con our contentment in you. Because you, God, you're greater, you're bigger than, than any circumstance we'll go through. God, help us to, to experience freedom, not just from sin, but God, in every area of our life. We believe you're the Lord of it all. 
And so God, uh, use us to change this world. God, change our lives, work in us, work through us, and, and may we uh, make Jesus known uh, everywhere we go. That's all. In his name we pray. Amen.